It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Raptors, the Toronto Raptors are 1-0 after taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers 108-105 on opening night. We dig into our biggest takeaways, including Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi. Maybe they're the keys to unlocking this whole thing and making the Raptors a terrifying basketball machine. We'll get to that and so much more on today's episode with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic. That's all coming up. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary three by Mopi. Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1264 of Lockdown Raptors for Thursday, October the 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of Post Touches, my new Substack newsletter and blog you can go and subscribe to. Uh, I've also been covering the Raptors for now nine seasons on various platforms. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And we are on YouTube, of course. You can hit the big red subscribe button. See the video version of the show each and every day. It's much appreciated when you support the show, even if you're not going to watch the videos. Just help juice the stats, please. It's much appreciated when you help out in that way. All right, on today's show, the Toronto Raptors 1-0 took down the Cleveland Cavaliers 108-105 on opening night. Uh, Very intense, very nasty, very defense forward, I would say. Really fun game overall, thinking it's a prelude to some very good Eastern Conference hoop all year long. And joining me to talk about it, to our big takeaways and so much more is our pal Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic. Jamar, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. Nine years, eh? You're becoming a veteran now. I'm old, yeah. I feel old <laughs> and withered and washed and hacky compared to all the young, smart folks coming up, like yourself, but it's nice that I can just uh, be a hanger-on <laughs> going forward here and uh, ride the coattails of the younger, smarter people who come on the show now. Uh, I'm feeling, I'm turning 30 in six days, so I'm uh, I'm feeling my age, I guess. It's not even that old. It's fine, but you know. Either way, Jamar, let's get into it. We got the Raptors taking on the Cavs last night. Let's go into our biggest takeaways to set things off here. Uh, let's go to you first, Jamar. What do you have as your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' first win of the regular season? Well, my biggest takeaway is something that I mentioned in the preseason before mm-hmm. um, we did our we did our last show. It's just once again, it's just a continuity. If you remember last last year's season opener against the Wizards, mm-hmm. really bad one. They look really rough coming out of the gate. Um, they were down by 25, 30 at one point. They made a run. They got in within 15, but it just, they looked so out of place. And Nick Nurse kept reiterating throughout this preseason. And then, you know, last night that you know, this team is far, far ahead of that. 
especially on the defensive end, and that's how they won the game on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and a lot of games, a lot of games are going to be like this and you know, scrappy. You know, that's type of the way way they're going to win. You know, score in the hundreds because they don't really have, you know, the offensive talent to play a game like the one twenties or something like that. So this sure. is kind of the way they're gonna they're gonna win games. Um, especially the last five minutes of the game, the Cavs, I think they only had one field goal in the last five minutes. Yeah. Um, guys like for example, the Fred had like one of the biggest plays of the game where, you know, Jared Allen gets the offensive rebound, he rips it away <laughs> he rips it away from him. Um and Oh, and then OG finds OG finds Scotty the other way to give the Raptors a lead for good. So, just guys playing together. Remember, the starting lineup didn't get to play a lot together last season. So, just you know, your your regular lineup together. Pascal's back. Like last um, season opener, he wasn't there, and just just the continuity building off what they did last year. Season two mm-hmm. now, Vision six nine, if you want to call it that. <laughs> so, you can't now. Christian Coloco makes it. Uh, it's too complex. You got a seven-one dude in there gumming up the works. Okay, well let's just go by <laughs> let's just go by averages. Yeah, there like, you go. Yeah, fourteen <laughs> of their seventeen guys, including two-way players, are are at least six-seven. So you know, <laughs> you average it out. There you go. But yeah, just just the, just the continuity and the defensive plays that they made. Even another play that Fred made, um, drawn the charge on um, Jetty Osmond. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just that's my biggest takeaway. I mean, yeah, it, it was like what you expect the formula to be most of the time, right? I, totally. I think like the defense, they had 14 steals in this game. There were long stretches where the Cavs couldn't get anything going in the half court. We'll talk about the Cavs a little more, I think, in the next segment because I think they're a pretty. They're a really interesting team and matchup to dig into, but, you know, the Raptors are going to do this to a lot of teams. They're going to make them feel uncomfortable. They're going to turn them over. They're going to run down their throats. That's kind of what the whole deal is, and this kind of goes into my big takeaway in that I think, you know, we kind of saw, especially down the stretch when it was Scotty and OG really kind of taking over the creation, those two guys to me are the guys who are going to make this whole thing work if they can make it work, right? Like, the, if they offer 12 combined assists tonight, like they did last night, 5 for OG, 7 for Scotty, if they can offer that secondary creation that kind of opens things up, frees Pascal Siakam up to not have to do everything all the time, and just kind of gives other avenues to paint touches and easy buckets... I, I, I like this could work. This this is a like a half court offense that can get by just enough with what the defense is going to do. And I don't know about you, but I was really impressed with what we saw from OG and Scotty in particular. OG had a bit of a rough offensive first half, I would say, but like his defense was smothering. He had that chase down block, which was disgusting. I think in the third quarter, um, you know, it, it was like very in your face how everywhere OG Ananobi was in this game. And if you mix in that creation where you kind of get him rolling downhill like a bulldozer, I don't know how you don't send help if you are the defense there, you know, sending over a little bit of extra help at the rim. And that's going to open up all sorts of things like dump-off passes for Scotty Barnes dunks and kickouts and all that stuff. Like, it, it just... Those two guys humming along like they did last night. If you can get those versions of those guys last night... 
this is going to be a very difficult team to handle because there's just there's going to be just enough juice in the half court to make it all tie together and make it so they can kind of hit those positive feedback loops where their defense is getting the turnovers and stops they are you know kind of priding themselves on and they're able to scrape by just enough offensively you know they're going to need nights where they shoot 43 percent from three especially against teams like the Cavs which we'll get to in a sec but uh, I just thought this was a win for the idea that OG and Scotty are kind of the guys who unlock the whole thing what are your thoughts on that yeah you're you're totally right about that and um nurse mentioned after the game because um especially especially with og a part of his struggles to begin the game offensively was he was getting too deep under the rim when um and then he was getting swarmed by guys like jared allen evan mobley i looked at the box score i can't believe the Cavs only had five blocks because it felt like a yeah. lot more than that. It felt like Allen blocked four dunks on his own. Like, right. Like there was this one yeah. there was this one possession where Scotty drove and he got blocked by one and then he got blocked by the other. So I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe someone was counting wrong. I don't know how it only amounted to five blocks. But yeah. I think uh yeah, OG was guilty of that earlier in the game. And then in the fourth quarter, because uh I think they made five threes in the fourth quarter, they yeah. The ball started swinging a lot better and, you know, getting in, drawing defenses, dishing it out, not just trying to, like, muscle up over two seven-footers. And then Scotty, Scotty is interesting because um, I can see he's working on his one-on-one stuff because to begin begin the uh, game, he was doing a lot of one-on-one creation. Um taking some taking some mid-range shots but yeah he's another guy that as the game went on he was really starting to find guys cutters i think he found og on a on a, on a cut and yeah. i think the two of them worked really well in the fourth quarter to initiate the offense and and and, and find um shooters yeah, I mean, third quarter, the things kind of fell apart. They take Siakam out late. Donovan Mitchell comes back in. That was kind of the seesaw of right. that quarter yeah. was the Mitchell-Siakam minutes. And then to start the fourth quarter, there's no Pascal. You're a little bit worried, but it's the four starters plus Precious in place of Pascal, and it worked. Like, Scotty and OG were able to handle that creation burden. It led to all sorts of open threes. Gary Trent Jr. getting all these looks that you love. Um, you know, it, it's... Oh man, it's, it's really, I I think the recipe you're looking for. And, you know, I I think it's one game. You can't get too carried away with what OG and Scotty are doing, but if they do what they did last night, where they are viable secondary creation, who can help the Raptors survive the minutes Pascal doesn't play, by the way, Fred played a lot of minutes, but Pascal just 34 minutes last night. You love to see that. Um, It it just kind of, it's going to be the straw. Honestly, I compare it to like George Springer with the Blue Jays. When George Springer's humming along, everything works. If Scotty and OG are doing this secondary creation thing and it's humming along, it's all going to work. And this team is going to be a monster to play against. In the fourth quarters, I mean, it's a it, it's one game in addition to, I guess, a full season of them being in time, but that five-man group, that's going to be a problem late in games. It makes a lot of sense that they are difficult to contend with late in games because there's options everywhere. And if you have a couple extra guys who can be trusted to create in those situations, those crunch time numbers only stand to improve upon what were very good numbers last year. They were a plus eight and five crunch time minutes in this one. Love to see that. Overall starters, by the way, we're going to keep tabs on this lineup number, I would say, all season long just because it is so important. It's such a bellwether. Uh, but plus 
plus 13 in 15 minutes last night. It's like a plus 40-something net rating. Obviously, one game, so net rating is silly to use. And with Achua in for Pascal, that lineup was a plus 8 in 6 minutes. So the starter-heavy looks really, really looking strong. And, uh, man, Scotty and OG, they were a ton of fun to watch in this one as far as, like, giving a glimpse of what the ultimate vision will be. It's not going to work like this every night, but sure would be cool if it did, huh? Uh... Jamar, we're going to continue on here. We're going to dig, dig into our other takeaways. I also want to talk about this Cavs-Raptors matchup in particular and some of the interesting things because we're going to see okay. these teams play a lot, I would say, over the coming years. And this is kind of the first example of sort of these fully-fledged versions of these teams. Square it off. So we'll dig into that in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.net, your number one source for betting, football, and the start of the new basketball season, baby. Find all the latest player developments, team matchup, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every single game. You know, maybe you know, maybe you are a person who likes to throw a couple bucks down while you're watching games at home at night. Bet online is a great way to figure out where to put that money and become the informed wagerer. That's really what it's all about. They've got you uh, covered for all your sports wagering info. You got live betting, up to the minute scores for every single sport out there. Maybe you want to put a futures bet on the Raptors and Pelicans playing each other in the NBA Finals because it's happening, baby. The future is here. Go and do that at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events. You got all the other sports as well mma mlb boxing golf you name it head, head to the website today use your mobile device learn more about the trends in the action bet online is where the game starts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on here with your first listen of the day with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic. Uh, Let's talk about this Raptors-Cavs matchup and maybe some of the things you picked up and noticed from this, Jamar. Uh, You know, obviously it sucks Darius Garland goes out with the eye injury, a fluke thing. You know, I don't really understand how Gary Trent Jr. managed to cut the inside of Darius Garland's eyelid, but... He did, and that sucks, but we did get a glimpse of what this matchup is going to look like, the sort of the push and pull of these very differently built teams, you know, Vision All Wing versus Vision Zero Wing and all of that. What were your sort of takeaways? What were some things you picked up on from the Raptors and Cavs and the matchup intricacies in their first tilt uh, on Wednesday night? Well, mentioning Garland first off, uh mm-hmm. The length that the Raptors have really smothered Garland early. Like he wasn't. He looked he wasn't, scared. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't having it. He wasn't having a good game. And you know, I would have obviously, I would have liked to see him see more of him, just to mm-hmm. you know gauge a little bit more of that. But the Cavs really, you know, started to find their way offensively when he was out of the game, and Donovan Mitchell had to do a lot of the creation. Like his usage rate doubled after Garland was out of the game, and this is a role that Mitchell is pretty used to because there's been times in Utah where especially even in the playoffs as a rookie where Ricky Rubio went down or you know when when Mike Conley wasn't there Mitchell had to play a lot of you know point because he's obviously a combo guard and he had to play a lot of point and um I'm not really big into player player um comparisons Mm -hmm. but one of his player comparisons um coming into the league was Dwayne Wade and the one thing that they do really similar that really well is split defenses. Like he, yeah. he, he has a really uncanny um, ability to just 
and he was doing it over and over and over again in the third quarter. He was just mm-hmm. finding a way to split defenses, create for himself, create for others um, up behind the arc, and it really gave the Raptors a lot of problems. Um, I think they picked him up further away to prevent that in the fourth quarter, which is why you know the Cavs got bogged down a bit, and there was nobody else really creating for the Cavs outside of Mitchell. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I. I I think, and especially in a game like that where you know one of your one of your all stars is gone, I, I I wonder how they're going to use Mobley more offensively because right. for a long time it was just basically Mitchell or bust, which is why uh, when the the minutes that Mitchell was out of the game and Jack and Jack Armstrong kept mentioning this on the broadcast, he kept tracking Mitchell's minutes of you know the Raptors having to take advantage of him being out of the game. And that's when the Raptors really, really started making their pushes uh, on two different instances when he was out of the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, just just um, defending Mitchell better in terms of, you know, not let, not making him split defenses so easily. And even when he wasn't splitting defenses, like there was possessions where he was getting right by Fred. So just yeah. containing him on the perimeter is something that the Raptors are going to have to do better in uh, future matchups against the Cavs. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the point you made about the length and the sort of fear they were instilling in Garland's important here, too. Like, they have the ability to make a small guard get a little bit scared, but mm-hmm. Mitchell was just doing such a great job. He was so elusive. Right. And look, Fred Van Vliet's an incredible defender. He should probably have made the All-NBA All-Defense team last year. He he stole the ball out of Jarrett Allen's hands from behind, despite not having being a foot shorter than him last night. Like, he's <laughs> amazing. But if there is one area where Fred struggles, it's staying in front of really quick guards. We've seen this with Trey Young in the past. Um, you know, we saw it with Tyrese Maxey at times in the playoffs last year. It's it's a thing. Obviously, he was hurt in the playoffs last year, too. Right. So, no, he wasn't staying in front of anybody. Uh, but, you know, this has been a thing. Thankfully, they have a couple aces in the hole. And the big one, of course, is OG Ananobi, who I thought once they kind of got him in that Mitchell matchup a little more often, it wasn't every time down the floor that they got that switch that they wanted. But, you know, there there were plenty of opportunities where OG was on Mitchell and just did such a good job of staying on his feet and kind of forcing him into those tough, weird leaning mid-rangers. You know, I, I feel like I, I feel quite good about OG as their sort of answer to those tricky, fast guards once you kind of get into the heat of the season. You know, it's not always going to work out. And Donovan Mitchell's very good. Like, you know, yeah. like you said, he, he sat for 13 minutes. The Cavs were at minus 13 in those 13 minutes. Right. Like, he was driving the bus for them for sure. And for the Cavs, yeah, if they can get some secondary creation out of Mobley, not dissimilar to if the Raptors can get it out of OG and Scotty. Like, if Mobley can kind of expand in that regard, he had a couple nice blow-bys last night, that kind of changes the equation when one of those guards is either hurt or off the floor. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really interesting sort of dynamic and a clash of styles. I'm not surprised the Raptors shot miserably from inside. That, that, that I think yeah, is probably yeah. to be expected. I got the shot chart here somewhere. I'll find it. Uh, but I think there was something along the lines of very bad. From I, I lost the, the page. but <laughs> they, were, they, were like, they were in the 30th percentile for most of the game at the rim, which is yeah, yeah. This, but, not yeah. ideal. Not what you want. Um, that's what that's what Nurse was talking about early, like after the game about guys getting in too deep and getting smothered and then trying to go up and then you know getting stuffed, which is again why I'm surprised the Cavs only had five blocks and it felt like at least ten. But yeah, 
For sure. And, and I mean, it's not like they're going to come up against Devin Mobley and Jared Allen every night either, no. right? Like, it's not always going to be that gruesome and challenging to uh, to figure out. Um, yeah, I got the shot chart here now, thankfully. Uh, at the rim, the Toronto Raptors in this game. Shot. Come on, NBA.com. Be my friend. 11 of 24. Not what you want. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they had a really big three-point night, so that kind of helped them survive. But even in the long mid-range, seven of, or the short mid-range, that is, 7 of 19, which is you kind of know the sweet spot for Pascal and Scotty. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they'll be better from there for sure. The Cavs, of course, present very special challenges. It's not, however, like the Raptors didn't also do the same thing to the Cavs on the other end. We know about the length. I want to ask you, what did you think about Scotty's rim protection in particular in this game? We'll get into Christian Coloco, I think, in the next segment as we get into the good, the bad, and the hmm. Um, we know he's a very good rim protector, but yeah. I thought Scotty did a really nice job just being long, doing the verticality thing. Um, you know, he got called for a couple fouls here and there, but I, I thought he was really, really impressive as a rim protector in this one. What did you think? No, I totally, I totally agree with you there, and and that's something the Raptors, the Raptors are going to have him all over the place in terms of that, and then they they comparing it to football, they would have OG as their middle linebacker everywhere, doing everything, <laughs> you know, just doing whatever he needs to do for that particular matchup, and then yeah, Scotty rotations, just you know, being a presence at the rim. Yeah, I was impressed with him in this game in that regard. Yeah, he's uh, he's good as it turns out, and there's there's this, this matchup's going to be, uh, I think, a delight all season. The sort of the the question of who guards the various ball handling wings on the Raptors, right? Like, I would assume Mobley is going to get the Siakam assignment a lot. He did quite a bit last night, it seemed. Um, you know, although Siakam got switched onto by Mitchell quite a bit, and I thought Mitchell, like, for all the stuff we say about him being a terrible defender, I thought he kind of acquitted himself pretty well when he was switched on to Pascal in the post and whatnot, so good for him there. Um, but, like, it's a really interesting sort of, all right, how do we kind of you know, align our defensive resources here. Allen was on Barnes quite a bit, and, you know, Barnes didn't really seem worried about it, right? Drove by a couple right. times, had a couple pull-ups over Allen. Um, you know, it, it's just such a fun... Styles make fights. We love it. The Eastern yeah. Conference is going to be hell blood ball all year, and I can't freaking Whoa. wait. And these two teams, when they play, it's going to be just, uh, like, match-up heaven, I think. One of Scotty's biggest baskets of the game is when he went right at Allen and he finished with the left. I think oh, that yeah. was probably mid fourth quarter, I want to say. But yeah. Because yeah. Uh, a couple, like I said, a couple a couple instances before that, he was getting blocked. But that time he, he found a way to, to just get the angle and finish with the left. So yeah. Leave it to Scotty Barnes, who I thought had like a pretty rough first half with some really whack shot selection to finish <laughs> the game with 15, 3, 7, 2, and 1 on 7 of 14, 1 of 1 from deep. Like a totally perfect, excellent Scotty Barnes game in the whole. Uh, man, this was fun. We're going to continue on. We're going to get into our good, bad, and hmm from the opener. Of course, the way we're going to close out all game recap episodes this season. We'll get to that in just one second. However, just before we do that, reminder, Locked on Leafs, you can check out every single day as uh, as this is kind of typically the course in the first couple weeks of the Leafs season. Everyone's panicking. Everyone's freaking out. So go check out Locked on Leafs to get that panic and freaking out from Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti, who are making sense of it all as your Leafs continue to navigate the early stretches of the NHL season. Check it out. Locked on Leafs, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Jamar, let's round it out. It's the good, the bad, and the hmm. Our segment we're going to use to close off and sort of get some loose thoughts on the page, as it were, to round out every game recap episode this season, replacing the Hall of Fame-worthy segment, The Dude of the Game. Uh, I got tired of doing The Dude of the Game by the end of the year last year because Chris Boucher just kept on winning it. So we're mixing it up this year. The good, the bad, and hmm. Good, a thing that we liked. Bad, thing we didn't like. Hmm, a thing we're keeping an eye on. That's how it all works. Let's go with the good first. Jamar, what is your good? Uh, I'm going to split my good in two. Uh, okay. First, first good was Pascal's one-on-one creation because, oh, you yeah. know, the way the, Rap- the, way the Raptors you, uh, struggle sometimes in the half court, you obviously you're going to have possessions where guys just need to get a bucket. And Pascal was really good at that around the elbow, uh, mid-range area a little bit, in the paint a little bit, you know, finding his shots, turnaround, stuff like that. I think he carried the Raptors offensively during stretches in the second and the third quarter when, you know, things were starting, especially in the third quarter when things were starting to bog down a little bit and they were struggling to score. He kept them in the game with that. So that was really good. And then the other thing is the three-point shooting that was much maligned in the preseason. They only shot 24% from three in the preseason. But, Mm -hmm. you know, what was it, 13 for 30 or something like that? Uh, yeah. So that's quick math. That's like 45, 46% or something like that. Or no, actually, no, no, 43%. So yeah, yeah they, it, they're not going to shoot 43% from three every game, but just to see the shooting is be back, that was good to see. So yeah, that's my good. For sure. And like, I don't think anyone did anything crazy shooting wise that you, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, Trent and Van Vliet are not going to shoot 50% all the time, but like three of six from Trent, four or from Van Vliet, four of eight from Trent, like that's pretty standard yeah. run of the mill stuff for them. You're going to get that every other game from them probably. So nothing crazy. You know, Precious goes one of four, including the wackest air ball I think I've ever seen right out of the gate. Like way to just sort of start the Precious roller coaster immediately with that air ball in the first, but uh, all worked out obviously in the end. Precious, I think, kind of found himself in the back part of the game. But yeah, just uh, uh, the three-point shooting. It's huge. They're going to need to hit their threes, especially against the Cavs, but it's going to be a bellwether for them all year long. My good is Christian Coloco, who just simply refuses to leave his feet, Jamar. I can't get over how just, like, disciplined this child is at playing defense. He's just thrown in, and, you know, I think it's both the mix of him not really leaving his feet when he doesn't have to and the fact that he can cover half the floor with one stride. It's almost an unfair element to add into a team that already has the length that the Raptors have. Um, but I was really impressed with the way Coloco defended last night. You know, the putback dunk as well. The offense, I don't think, is really a thing to take away here with his game. Although I do think the fact that he is, you know, seemingly a pretty good pick and roll target, you would assume that the lob chemistry will come along with Fred there at some point here. Um, you know, that I think is only going to help Fred, especially like his floater game. If there's that extra gravity of a role man to have to worry about, that's going to help Fred there. But the defense, man, uh, what were your thoughts on Coloco on the defensive end? He was uh, a blast to watch. No, Coloco was really good. And even, even there was a couple of times where he actually did leave his feet, but he didn't go forward. Like there was a possession. That's right. Where, he had, that was nuts. 
detail, yeah, please. A, <laughs> no, he had a he had, he had a possession, and I'm blanking. I, I think no, I think it was Garland. I think Garland was still in the game at that point. And yeah, he had a possession. There was a possession where Garland got into the rim and then faked a couple times, and Coloco did jump. But he stayed. He he stayed vertical. I mean, I mean, he did. He didn't go. He didn't lean into Garland, and then that forced Garland to take a take a, a bad shot. And then there's another possession where you know we've seen Donovan Mitchell dunk on some people, and he, and he, he 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 took his two steps. He took his gather, and he was trying to go up, but no, that wasn't happening on on um Coloco. And as far as you talking about um you know offensively, he has good hands. Um, yeah, I think I think the last big like seven footer that you know you really credited their hands for to the to to like catch the ball in tight situations was Jakob Pertl. Mm, um, yeah. So yeah, and Fred talked about uh, after the game. We talked about how nice it is, you know, running a traditional one five pick and roll, and you know them just you know working the kinks out regarding that because. Um, the Raptors do not run a lot of pick and roll, and that's something I kind of <laughs> want to see them, you know, implementing their offense a little bit to help help their half court offense when when it bogs down. Like he, like mm-hmm. Fred and Pascal have done some one four type action that ends up with you know normally it ends up with someone getting a shot on the perimeter, but if they can yeah. get that roll being going with somebody because they don't have a traditional roller, so if mm-hmm. they can kind of develop that this season, that would be really good. Also worth noting, he was, uh, I think, the second sub in and was also the right. first sub in the second half right. ahead of Precious Achua. Achua ended up playing 18 minutes to Coloco's 15, but uh, certainly was worth noting that Coloco was trusted first off the bench in the second half after what wasn't a great run for the bench in the first half, which leads me to my bad, Jamar. It was the rest of the bench beyond uh, Christian Coloco. You know, Precious Achua, I think, kind of salvaged his game mostly because he played alongside the best players on the team in the fourth quarter and fit really nicely in as the fifth player on the floor. Um, But, you know, otherwise, didn't much care for what I saw from Juancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, You know, Banton looked a little bit sort of lost in the in the wilderness just a tiny little bit and I thought Thad had a pretty rough game as well and I look I don't know if it was fair to sort of judge Thad's game on last night because you know he was playing with sort of the exact opposite types of lineups that he should be playing he should be playing with better players he should be playing in starters heavy looks to kind of tie everything together I would happily see Thad in that fifth role in place of Pascal that we saw Precious in, for example, to start the fourth quarter. Um, but what were your thoughts on the way the bench worked? Obviously, no Boucher, no Birch, no Porter. That's going to hurt. But, you know, the, 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 it didn't look awesome the way the bench came together last night. They're going to need to kind of find some ways to get those in-between looks. Uh, I think just a little bit more juice, make it more effective. I don't know. What were your thoughts on, on the bench? Uh yeah, that's and that's also that's also my bad, but um like like you like you you said though that uh they the bench is missing half of their bench with you know Otto's gonna get a lot of minutes when he's healthy and obviously Boucher the way he ended last season and looked in his in the preseason game he played, you know, you know you pretty much know what you're gonna get out of Boucher. So, you know, when those guys are in the game, you're gonna see a lot more of a punch. Uh Nurse mentioned after the game that uh this is probably a tough matchup for Benton, dealing with a lot of uh quick guys like a a Mitchell or or a Garland when he was in the game on the perimeter. And Precious uh, he mentioned that you know he was, oh, like you said, a little lost, um, a little 
just just not in sync. So he had, he took him out of the game just to you know gather things together, and that's probably one of the reasons why he brought Coloco in first in the third quarter. And also, mm. this is a better matchup with Coloco, where you know for sure you, you need you need a guy like that if you're dealing with two seven footers. So yeah. it, it was kind of a mix of Precious not having the greatest first stint, and then um you know leading Coloco to match up with Biggs. Um, Hernan Gomez, uh, I think he only played like eight minutes or something and didn't attempt a shot, but he just looked lost defensively, which is not yeah. a huge surprise considering that he's just getting used to this defensive system. But yeah, he didn't look great. But yeah, big picture, Hernan Gomez is going to be is he's basically a placeholder right now for the guys who are out, right? Yeah, he's a porter stand-in. Yeah, right, exactly. So yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, like I, I, yeah, I don't think Juancho Hernan Gomez is going to alter the fortunes of the Raptors with his poor bench play all that much this year because I just don't think he's going to get a chance to play that much once they have their guys. Even with Boucher, like Hernan Gomez feels like the easy guy to kind of excise from the rotation there. Um, but yeah, th- once again, hammers home. Otto Porter is going to be important, especially for this bench to kind of make it sing and, and make it so it can kind of survive the minutes where the stars are out. But again... Back to the very beginning. If Barnes and OG are going to be great, then uh, maybe there's a little bit more room for air there. Uh, let's get to our hmm, the thing that is sort of leaving us a little interested. We're going to keep our eye on. I'll go to you first on this one, Jamar. What you got is your hmm to close things out. Well, the last time I was here, I was saying that it looks clear that they're going to manage Fred's minutes. And Fred, out of necessity, out of necessity, out of necessity, he played the most minutes on the team. He played 39 minutes. Uh, I would love to see that down a few minutes. Uh, I want to see Fred, uh, Fred fresh the entire season, you know, being the best defensively that he was, especially at the end of this game. So 39 minutes is a little bit too much for me. So that's something I'm going to, I'm going to keep my eye on. So that's definitely my, hmm. Uh, he, Talked in the preseason about having a new body. Again, I don't know what that means because he looks kind of the same to me, but obviously something <laughs> there regarding his maybe his conditioning, his ability to recover after the game, something. I don't know. But, mm. you know, I, I, I just would love to see Fred maintained in the way Kyle Lowry was when uh, they changed, like he, he changed the way um, his diet and stuff like that, and he was able to last the whole season. It's going to be very, very important for Fred to be healthy the whole season because if we get to the playoffs and Fred's broken, we're not going anywhere. So it's yeah. and it's something he's going to be he's going to be asked about this the entire season. He's going to be oh, yeah. hella annoyed because even when he was hurt uh, last season down the stretch, and people kept asking him, uh, reporters kept asking him after the game, are you okay? Are you okay? He's, he's getting annoyed with that. He's like, yeah, man, I can play these minutes. And it was evident that he couldn't play these minutes. So, you know, it's something that everybody's going to be monitoring, monitoring the whole game. I mean, the whole season. So, you know, just try to get those minutes down to the 35 minute range. That's all I ask. I do not want you leading the NBA minutes per game. <laughs> yeah, it certainly, uh, you know, it, it may be to be expected that he was going to play a lot because that's just what he does. That said, I'm going to choose to view the 34 minutes for Pascal as a positive sign for what's eventually going to come for Fred here. You know, Scotty missed some time in this game just with like weird foul trouble. Maybe right. he would fill in that sort of backup creation role, that, you know, allow Fred to sit a little bit more. Um, you know, they get Porter and Boucher back. The whole sort of thing falls into place a little bit more effectively. We'll see, you know, 
it's you can talk about how like you know it would be great to see all you want and all of the signs point towards it being a, a potential thing they can do but i'll believe it when i see it that they bring his minutes down that said if he's gonna play 39 minutes what he did last night is kind of the perfect thing, right? He's not super right. involved on the ball. You know, he's not overtaxing himself. He's off the ball. He got three, six three-point attempts in this game. Uh, you know, he gets the five assists. He's got four steals, of course, as well, which is huge. Um, you know, if he can kind of do lower leverage stuff in those 39 minutes, then maybe you can kind of keep him fresher for uh, hopefully, you know, a little bit longer than they did last year. Uh, my, my, hmm, Jamar, is the free throws. 32 free throw attempts last night. Uh, last season, they were the 24th ranked team in free throw rate per cleaning the glass. Not great. Uh, 32 attempts last night. Nick Nurse, of course, said at his opening day, the media day availability, that rim and free throws are the two things they're really focusing on to help juice the offense. Obviously, rim was tricky against the, the Cavs. You expect that. But the free throws got there a whole bunch. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and like... OG, if they're going to sort of embolden him to work downhill with the ball in his hands, that he's going to get fouled. It's hard yeah, not to foul physical. that guy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. He's stronger than everybody else. Uh, Scotty feels like a guy who should pick up a lot of free throws. He didn't get any last night, but I liked the process for him in terms of driving. Pascal obviously got to the line a ton. Um, they're they're going to have to make the damn free throws. That's for damn sure. They were, <laughs> what was it last night, 23 of 32. Uh, so not Ben Simmons out there, but not great. And that is is going to be a limiting factor for them if they can't hit the free throws they're getting. But I'll choose to go with optimism here. The fact that they got to the line 32 times is encouraging and makes me feel good. I'm going to keep my eye on that one for sure because that could be a way to help this half-court offense survive as well. You know, it was last night, even with the nine misses, 23 points. That's not nothing. You shoot 42% to the 49% for the Cavs, and you still win. So free throws. We love them. They're free points. Get them more, please. Uh, we're going to wrap it there. Jamar, thanks so much for coming on, man. Everyone should know Jamar is going to be on the show regularly this season, every two weeks, uh, every two Thursdays. That's it. That is, he's going to pop on. And so, well, sometimes it'll be game recaps. Sometimes it'll be general conversation about what's going on with the team. But Jamar, super happy to part, heavy part of the Locked On Raptors crew this year. Where can people check out your work? Uh, my handle below, Jamar BH. That's my Twitter handle. On there, I have a link to my Raptors Republic stuff where I'm going to be posting uh, recaps, previews, things like that uh, every uh, at least two, three times a week. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm happy to be here as you know a regular guest, and you know it's going to be definitely going to be a fun season to break down. So yeah, happy to do it. Sure is, man. Last night, a rollicking start. We'll be back again tomorrow. I'll probably dig a little bit more into some notes that we didn't get to from this game on tomorrow's show. I'm also going to just kind of dig into the news roundup from the week because, you know, I haven't really talked about the extension stuff with any of these guys. So that'll be on tomorrow's show. You'll have that to look forward to. Monday, Big V's back for Big V Monday as we break down the two games the Raptors will have over the weekend. And uh, that's what's on tap here coming up. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff for free on your favorite podcast apps. And go to YouTube to support the show in video form. Just hit the big red subscribe button. Even if you never watch a video, just help juice the stats. It's all I ask. Please, please, please. Uh, With that, we'll round it out. Talk to you again Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.